Welcome to Muscle Talk, where you'll get world champion advice about nutrition and stacking on muscle. Our host, Christine Enville, she's a three-time world champion bodybuilder, an IFBB professional, a food scientist, and a founding co-owner of our podcast sponsor, International Protein. In this episode, we open up about the very real subject of depression in bodybuilding the extremities you put your body through, and the mindset when prepping for comp. We tackle the post-comp blues and reveal some of Christine's techniques that help her stay positive. Christine, talk to me about depression in bodybuilders. It's a thing in particular. Tell me about the mindset when prepping for comp and even what it's like after. Okay, Ash, this is a a really um, relevant topic and um, I'm really glad that you've brought it up because... um, you know, very, very early on when I started, um, started prepping for my first competition and, and one of the other bodybuilders at the gym uh, had done a few comps and they sort of come up and started talking to me about how they were suffering what they were calling post-comp blues. And um, they'd just done a show and they looked phenomenal and I'm like, what do you mean? What's, what, what do you mean you're going through post-comp blues? And they didn't feel like training um, and really like were quite demotivated. And um, the... The, the post-comp blues really, I guess it's a little bit like maybe, you know, postnatal depression and things like that where you've had a, an event where you put a lot of work into it, there's been a lot of build-up to it and you've had a lot of attention. Like everyone's complimenting, oh, asking about your show, how you're doing, you know, every day in the gym, something, you know, you got a lot of attention. Um, and then, of course, that competition, you're getting a lot of attention. Then all of a sudden you do that competition and believe it or not, it's like the day the comp is over, it's like you never did it. Right. Like from a, from a perspective of you walk into the gym and maybe a couple of close friends who might have gone to the show, they might have already discussed it with you. A couple of other people might say, oh, how, did you compete on the weekend? Mostly because you got tan all over you so that you look a little bit different. But generally everyone just goes about their life because, you know, bodybuilding is so personal. Um, it's something that you do have to do for you. Like if you are doing it for other people, you're going to really come unstuck because at the end of the day, everyone's got their life and everyone's got their thing. And, um, you know, surprisingly and disappointingly for a lot of bodybuilders, it's like the world doesn't change. Um, like that, you know, if they're competing for a different reason, for competing for recognition or at least even thinking that you want to get a bit more of a pat on the back, it just doesn't come. And um, and, the, and then you got on top of that the fact that now you're not controlling your diet, so your, your body's kind of reversing in terms of you're getting smoother, you might be holding water straight after a show, um, and, and all of a sudden, yeah, you're just like you're not, you're not feeling as confident, mm. people aren't paying as much attention, and um, it, it does slot people into that phase of what they call the, the post-comp blues where um, a lot of that motivation to come in and train not only was the competition but it was the attention that you were getting. Um, and, you know, call it egotistical or, or, or call it um, self-centred or, what, or whatever, but I think it's human nature to want to be recognised. It's human nature to want to be heard. It's, it's to tell our story or, or to be seen. Social media wouldn't exist if it wasn't. Like yeah. I think that's, you know, social proof that people want to share their life and want to put stuff out there. And, um, you know, it's this. You know, I'm, I'm going back 20, 30 years when the only um, way that you were seen was on the stage and you only really saw people within your gym. Uh, obviously now with, the, with um, social media, people are posting weekly, daily, their prep leading up to their their show and and you all and we always I mean we shouldn't joke about it but I do um obviously with with friends who are very much within the industry where um you kind of know when someone's having a down day because they're posting a lot of pictures and it's almost like they're trying to self-motivate 
and get that affirmation and have people say, oh, my God, you look so good, you're looking amazing. Um, And, you know, the the thing is, though, that can make a huge difference to your motivation, just Mm -hmm. getting even if that one person says you look great, it can be the difference between a person not, you know, not wanting to go to the gym because, you know, coming back to the other side of um, of competition in the prep phase, uh, you go through some some really really tough phases during that. Like, if if you kind of look at the psychology of the, of the whole cycle at the start, you're all excited because my God, I'm going to compete and, you know, you're getting ready to, um, you're getting, you know, it's, you know, you're going to go from being out of shape and then suddenly you're following a structure and you start to see these changes happening and you feel lighter and your stomach feels smaller and you're going along and then you kind of get like six weeks into it and, you know, it's still, you're looking in the mirror, it's still a really long way to go and you've been on it for a long time so you're kind of a little bit over the excitement of being on a diet and then, but you still want to keep pushing and you haven't kind of hit that phase, which I call like, you know, the, normally for me, it was like the last six weeks where every day you'd wake up in the morning and there'd be like a new cut in my leg or a new little bit of definition. And in that phase there, it's like every day is something to look forward to. So it's almost like every morning was Christmas morning where you'd wake up and jump out of bed, get in front of the mirror and go, oh my God, what's different today? And that motivates you. So there's this really ugly phase in between, which I used to, for me, was anywhere from nine to six weeks where um, if I was going to drop out of a show, it would happen there. And I know that, you know, my my partner had to really sometimes work at um, convincing me to stay on track in that phase because I'd done, like I would start sometimes 25 weeks out or 24 or 28 weeks out depending on what, what condition I was in to start off with. So I'd done a hell of a lot of work to get to nine weeks felt like I'd done so much work and yet I was still not seeing what I wanted to see. And so that nine to six week mark was what I would be like, do not let me quit <laughs> because I do not want to quit. But I just feel like sometimes I do because it's just, you know, it just feels like everything's, you know, your life kind of feels a little bit stagnant. But then I said, that's once you get past that and you get into that last six weeks, well, for some people it's the last four weeks and things are moving so quickly then that it's like the excitement and it's like, oh, my God, it's only this, it's not that far to go and, and I'm, I'm going to look so good because this is happening and that's happening. So there's different phases within the actual prep phase and then people do start to notice. Like I remember, you know, you'd be dieting so long and it would only be at about four weeks out where you started to look so obviously lean that you were more than just what an average person getting into shape was looking and people would be like, oh, my God, are you dieting? And I'd feel like saying I've been freaking dieting for the last <laughs> twenty weeks, but yes, I'm dieting. <laughs> so it, it's it's um it is a real mind game. Um, the other thing, because you're being judged off of how you look, it's not on your performance. So it doesn't matter. Okay, you're in the gym. Um, even though that, that that's another aspect where when you're dieting, you generally do lose a little bit of strength. Um, I know for me, it wasn't absolute strength, but I would lose like my top three reps. So on my heaviest weight, maybe I would be getting. 10 and then I'd be like struggling to get seven or eight and those three reps is like you know that's still a that's still a drop and whilst when I sit back now and I think oh it's not that much it's not really that much it, it was very significant to me to kind of not be able to, to just lose three reps out of a set it's exactly yeah. so it was a it was a big deal so mentally you've got that fact of feeling weaker you do have to mentally push harder to do that and you are dropping that little bit of strength and then you think oh my god I'm losing size if you're doing that. So that all all ties in together there. But then on the other, the flip side of that too is it's how you look. So people who, um, you know, if they're home and not working and they're able to look at themselves throughout the day, your body changes throughout the day because it holds more water. The lighting changes throughout the day. So even as the sun changes position and you look at yourself in the same room, you look more cut, you look less cut. As we're sitting here even now, Ash, the sun's just gone in and I can guarantee you that if we were looking 
you know, looking in mirrors and looking at ourselves that we would look totally different with the sun out to the sun in. So people can drive themselves a little bit crazy if they're looking too constantly or weighing themselves too constantly, like jumping on the scales every hour. Have I changed? Have I changed? And I know, um, you know, I know people who prep people and um, you know, they ask for, for photographs of their clients weekly and they get some clients who send them photographs every single day. And it's like it's too soon to see a change but the client's seeing these massive changes. I needed to show you this because they're in their head. It's showing that. So there's so much um, so much that plays up in your own head and you can um, become very, very, like, receded into your own head. You can become very withdrawn into your own head as a bodybuilder. Do you have any tools to sort of get you into the line? Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely is stay away. Like, keep your clothes on. <laughs> It sounds silly, but um, don't look at yourself. Like have you have your um, your daily structure when you look at yourself. Have your daily structure uh, when you weigh yourself. Now I've talked about this a little bit in other um, other situations where weigh yourself, record your weight weekly, but weigh yourself daily because you do need to track your own fluctuations, your own natural fluctuations because it's a very important tool to know what your body does and what's normal because. If you happen to weigh yourself and you might be a couple of kilos up, you need to know that that is normal for you at that particular point in time or is that alarm bells. So you have to, I guess, have that discipline to check yourself out first thing in the morning when you're dry. And when I say dry, I mean because you haven't drunk overnight generally. Mm -hmm. You wake up in the morning, you're driest, and that's closest to what you will represent on stage. So only look at that and always look in this, like be consistent. Like if it's a whatever lighting, whatever position that you're looking in, only look there. The rest of it doesn't matter. Even in the gym, it doesn't matter because then you get a pump and your veins come out and you think, oh, my God, it looks so fantastic, but you're not going to have that same luxury on stage. So don't fool yourself into thinking that, oh, once I pump up because, you know, you might pump up and then it's actually half an hour till you get on stage. So all of that is kind of lost. So be very, very disciplined, I guess, about being only looking at a certain time of day or maybe having somebody the same person, not different people, look at you to give you an honest opinion as well because, again, your mind kind of plays tricks on you and you think you're not as cut as what you are or you think you're more cut than what you are. So have somebody that you trust who can can tell you, yes, you're on track or no, you're not on track. Mm-hmm. You find a, find a new hobby if you don't have one. That's another really, really good one. Like um, I used to read a lot of recipe books when I was dieting. Right. Think about all the things that I was going to be able to eat. Like literally like just, um, you know, people call it food porn. So now they you know, do it, post pictures on Instagram, whatever. But I literally had a collection of, of recipe books where with amazing photography. I'm not talking about the, the typed up recipe book with just recipes. I want the photographs, you know, the yeah. full thing. So now there's probably, probably not the best thing, but internet shopping, but find something and, you know, it, it's a good opportunity, I guess, for self-education, go and read about, um, you know, the the sodium potassium pump and how that affects your body so you can learn how to peak better um, or just, you know, learn about business or do something which distracts you from bodybuilding. Don't talk about it 24-7 um, because you will find that it becomes just too much for you and it becomes overwhelming uh, and, you know, sometimes too much of a good thing becomes, you know, becomes not, not a good thing. So try to find something outside of bodybuilding to interest you, whether it be fashion, whether it be music, whether it be business, um, something which is is different and even try to find, and and again, I'm I'm talking about in modern day with social media and everything, find a Facebook group or something which is totally, you know, some some other kind of interest which people aren't going to be grilling you on that. On the flip side of that, that can be a problem because sometimes people find out you do bodybuilding and then that's all they want to know about. Mm -hmm. Like I would come to work and I'd have my lunch and then trust me, everyone want to know, why do you eat this? 
how much you're eating of that, how many times it like they wanted to know all of that stuff, even though they weren't into bodybuilding themselves. And sometimes it was like, I don't even want to talk about that. I'm just doing it. Just I, I want to talk about something totally different. So I know obviously, um, you know, some people collect sneakers, so they might be like out looking for some, you know, some people collect sneakers. I think some, one of them. <laughs> yes. And this this woman has Maybe. <laughs> how many pairs of sneakers? I lost count at 150. That's a lot of so. sneakers. You've got a big house. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sixty percent of purple as well. And if my... you look on the because uh, you do live um, <laughs> Facebook sessions, you can actually see this line of sneakers. That, and apparently, that doesn't even. That, touch the tip. That's right. They're the ones that overflowed out of the wardrobes. <laughs> but, yes, hunting down a classic or something like that or, or it could be anything, cars or whatever, but, there's, you know, there's two things. You can increase your knowledge, go and do your own research around, um, you know, different different foods and nutrition. Um you know, use that time to think about your peak week because to me that was that was like another thing and we probably will have a whole session on peak week where we'll talk about um, that. But, um, you know, if you're travelling for a competition, use that time also to book your hotel, you know, find out where your gym is, look, get all of those things, get them organised, but just try to trust your process. Like you really have to just trust your process and use that system where, you know, once a week you'll, you'll actually use that change as, as the one that you actually note down and then be monitoring your body daily and not 10 times throughout the day or whatever. But um, but just coming back to, um, you know, the, the the depression side of things as well, that can also be another thing to look, like really do some self-growth and, and, and read some books around um, self-development and confidence because when it comes to the bodybuilding stage, um, the main thing to remember is that we're judged by criticism. You know, we're judged by like looking for faults in our body and everyone will have an opinion, not just the judges. And you have to be willing to take it when someone says, oh, I don't think that you, even your costume, you should have chosen a different colour costume, you should have posed to different music, you should have done your hair different, you should have stood different on stage. You know, you'll be, you'll be criticised and you have to be ready for that um, and you don't want that to also affect you mentally. So you need to be very, I guess, very confident in what you do. Be do, very, you, do you like go through it mentally? before you're going into a comp and actually sort of try and envision what it's going to be like, including those criticisms? Um, I don't know if I factor in the criticisms because I've just had to deal with those as they've come up each time. But what I do try to do is assess each criticism. Is it valid or is it not valid? Like very early on in my career, I was obviously very young, uh, you know, 18, whatever. And um, I wasn't a, I wasn't a, um, a prissy girl. I didn't. I didn't really pay much attention to my hair or my makeup and stuff. And I just kind of, you know, pull it back in a ponytail and do a little bit of, you know, makeup and jump on stage. And then people started saying, "Oh, look, you know, you know, you do female bodybuilding. You really need to be conscious of how your appearance is." And I thought, firstly, my, you know, I was offended at first because it's like it's bodybuilding. It's like the rules actually say it's judged from the um from the neck down. But the truth of it is, you can't ignore someone's full presentation like as much as they can say that you subconsciously even if you try to block that out it will come into it so I figured we would take away what I would call any plausible excuse for criticism so if I chose music which was maybe had come across in a a, you know too slow or too aggressive or too this or too that I would assess like did it suit the routine how did that make me feel was it one person saying that or was it a lot of people saying that and then kind of assess it accordingly? And also did I trust the person? So, again, I always have like a really close advisor, not someone who, you know, basically blows the proverbial smoke, but someone who will tell you honestly, no, you should have done this different or no, that that's just you know, nonsense, keep doing what you're doing. So that's really, really important. Don't listen, don't go to 100 different people. Go to the, the few people that you really do trust to give you that honest feedback. Um, but, but I guess at the same time, you know, 
don't because people will look for that one person that agrees with what they wanted to hear mm-hmm. or they will listen to only the people that pull them down and it really depends where their headset head mindset is it's, it's easy it's, to feel the negative much more than the positive yeah so. so that's why i have that person who really you can trust but but um but just you know we in in the bodybuilding community recently we have had a, a very you know fairly high profile olympia competitor uh luke sandow who committed suicide which was um you know everyone who met luke he says, you know, what an amazing guy he was. I know um, we met him in Vancouver, his first show. He was petrified to go on stage. Like he was this huge guy, lovely guy, to me one of the up-and-coming physiques in bodybuilding and he was like literally shaking, so nervous to go on stage. So, um, you know, remembering that a lot of people, I mean, I don't, again, I don't know any more of his story than that. I don't know what he was um, going through or anything, but it is real and that, um, you know, there's there's not a lot of support out there, I guess, at the professional level for for bodybuilders as a whole and, you know, I, I don't know if it's the right forum to kind of bring that up but it's definitely um, other sports and other places have, I guess, a support, whether it be medical or, um, you know, psychological for their players to deal with, you know, media criticisms, the workload, um, everything that's put on you but, but professional bodybuilding is a professional sport but that's kind of where it ends in the name. There's no... There's kind of no support structure for people who may be struggling with those kind of things. So um, there's an opportunity there, I guess, for some for someone to kind of create something out of that. But um, you know, as I said, a lot of people do get into bodybuilding because they lack confidence um, and they are trying to improve their their physical. And then you choose to compete and you go into a sport where you have to have the thickest skin for criticism but the thinnest skin to look good on stage so it's yeah. it's a kind of that irony there but um you know that that really is that um work on you know tools to to make sure you are anchored and stable because you can lose perspective very very quickly in bodybuilding mm. so obviously there's um you know with physical exercise you release uh endorphins and dopamines and those sorts of things um so you know, that's positive, but you're putting your body under extreme pressure as well, extreme strain. You know, that must take a toll mentally as well, even it, though it's physical. Is that right? Or it, it is because, like, when you're training at your peak, um, you know, a lot, particularly with weight training or, or really any sport where you are pushing yourself constantly beyond what you could probably do, like, if you look at it like what your body can physically do versus once you bring in the mental power, what you can do, like I would always say if I wasn't, concentrating I would not be able to lift the weights that I was lifting and I would say the same thing for any athlete who has to you know just go you know, do a marathon or you know keep you keep playing in a, in a football match or something when they're dead tired and they still have to keep sprinting after that ball a lot of it does it comes from that absolute mental power and that is that is something that some people it comes more naturally than others but it's something where you know you could you can always work on um, you know, ways of making yourself mentally stronger. It's coming back to the why, like why do why am I doing this? Why do I want this? What does what does this mean to me? Um, and that has to kind of be stronger than any fear or doubt or anything that lies behind. So I think that if you don't have a really clear reason why you're doing something, uh, and it kind of it needs to be something from like it can be for other people, like you know to you know, um, you know, this was going to put, you know, food on the table for my family kind of thing. Like, cause I know, I think with, um, with Brandon Curry, you know, he went over to the, the camel crew, went over to the Middle East and was away from his family for an extended period of time to undergo their training system, came back, won the Olympia. And obviously that was financial. Um, so that was a decision that was not really for him as much as it was for his family. Um, so when I say it has to be for you, it's kind of like whatever's connected to you in that way it can't be I want to impress this person and and you know 
my life will become amazing. Like I'm, that's the kind of like a really deep why as to why you would sacrifice or why you would push yourself. Um, but that mental strength is something which, you know, some people do have it, some people don't. And that's probably the biggest difference that I see with, um, again, with my friends, clients and, and like why some are successful and why some are not is because some are just absolutely have that mental strength and other people allow themselves to have that self-doubt and distraction. So I think it's that someone has to work on their own um, their own you know, inner strength and clarity and, and who they are and, and why they're doing things. Um, and that's that's why, you know, I guess that would be a really opportune time to um, to get into reading some books or listening to, to some um some things around that to kind of really have a good understanding of of who they are so that they're not swayed by people or not kind of allowed to let their own self-doubt creep in because you do have to be very, very adamant that how you're making yourself look is the right way because, the you know, you will get criticised or you need to have bigger legs, you need to have this and that and you need to be able to discern is it a valid criticism or do I want to look like this because you are the one who walks around in that body all of the time when the comp's over and they're not judging you, you're the one who has to you do what you do in your daily life, looking how you look. So you have to be comfortable with that as well. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, finally, what tips do you have for someone that's feeling a little bit low? Just a couple more tools that, you know, maybe it's a food, type of food or something like that, that is a little bit of a mood booster. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Well, it's, it's interesting that you say that, Ash, because um, one of the big, and there's so much to this. So one of the big things with my diet actually was texture and I found if I didn't have a piece of fruit in my diet every day, that that I thought would send me crazy. So that's my thing, like the texture of a crisp apple. Like they're just that kind of freshness of, you know, the, the, the acid and the sugar and the tang and, and just that texture. So I I'm, um, talk a lot about the texture of my food why I don't like drinking food and, and that because it's, you know, it, it, part of the pleasure of eating is the crunch or the, 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 the bite, like how something things. Now somebody else it might be totally different what that is. Um, somebody else it might be the music that they listen to when they do their cardio or it might be a certain exercise that they love doing or a certain exercise that they hate doing or incorporating something that you like. Um, and, and a lot of my diet and a lot of the way that I did my meal planning was putting foods in that I liked. Now I'm not saying I'm going to put chocolate in my diet I'm not saying that I'm going to go put fried chicken or something like that but I'm going to put um things which satisfy my desire for sweetness or my desire for um crunchiness and just that variety um but as I said for me it was fruit you know I know a lot of people who would diet without fruit and I and I wouldn't couldn't do that so it has to be something which kind of mentally gives you that break you know once a week I would have a like a frozen yogurt so I would manipulate my diet around to allow me to have that which would and keep my my food still within its calories, cardio. I never did electronic cardio equipment when I competed unless it was raining so much rain that I couldn't walk outside with a jacket on because that to me would have driven me crazy. I probably would never got through. Like now, now I don't do it anymore, but I went through a phase and I was doing a lot of electronic cardio, but having a walk, a brisk walk, not a stroll, but having a walk, um, as my cardio session was probably one of the most like, you know, gave me that kind of mental freedom and that time for reflection and, you know, set me up for my day. So I'd start the day with, with that type of a walk. Um, so the type of exercise that you choose for your cardio is really, really important. So everyone has to find that thing, which gives them that, I guess that pleasure whilst you're doing something, which is ultimately kind of, kind of arduous to get to the goal, which is in the satisfaction at the end of it seeing the changes, obviously the protein powder, you know, again, with international protein, having that kind of sweet treat because you get to have something which tastes like, you know, 
chocolatey truffle, you know, chocolate truffle or tastes like a, you know, um, tastes like totally like a dessert, but it's still fitting into your macro. So you've got to give you those little cells, those little treats. Um, some people would work on a cheat day. Not a fan of that because it can get so far out of control, but definitely a, a, I call it an alternative meal yeah. rather than a cheat meal or a cheat day because I don't like that idea of um, just everything going crazy because that's kind of counterproductive. Um, but, again, everybody is different and some people control that differently, but it might be, you know, I think um, I believe Dorian Yates, famous, famous, famous Mr Olympia, um, I think he would on a Sunday apparently have fish and chips and he would manipulate his diet so that he could have that and still stay within his calories. So he worked on that principle of every you know he had that to look forward to every week so you've got to give yourself things to look forward to um amongst that diet so that is my tips and, and I even say that now with people who struggle with motivation to get into the gym is um find an activity that you like like say I hated the hated electronic equipment so I did the um you know outdoor walking now I absolutely love the hit and I, I again I, I couldn't the being confined to a treadmill just or stairs just you know drive me bonkers but the idea of having that freedom of movement with some more calisthenical body body weight type movements and again the playlist when I'm doing cardio if I'm at you know f45 it's it's different but if I'm in the gym listening to music then that is also you know really really important what you're listening to how that makes you feel so mm-hmm. use those kind of things where give you like give yourself the luxuries and the pleasures for some people that might be getting a massage um, once a week after they've, you know, had a, you know, they worked out all week and they're really, really sore, that might be their relaxation, mm. movies, um, you know, meditation. Um, people, you know, may find that that kind of helps them. But just play with a few things, find what works for you, or more importantly, you'll discover it by what you miss the most. Like when, you, when you've when you set your diet up and you're going along and you keep kind of like finding something's not right, something's not right, it might be because you realise that you eliminated, um, I don't know, red meat or you eliminated... Um, something something that you are having on a day-to-day basis so try to figure out a way of getting that into your diet so that would be my my main tips is like give you give yourself the, the things which give you pleasure within the confines of what you need to do but this has been really really valuable um, i'm sure lots of people listening can relate to this subject and you know you might have just helped a bunch of people through some tough times for anybody that's listening also uh, join our aussie muscle guru facebook group and uh, that's a forum in which uh, you can ask questions and we'll actually answer them on these podcasts. Thanks again, Christine. Thanks, Ash. Words of wisdom. If you like what you've heard, recognize that these tips, they're free. So show your support by becoming a loyal international protein customer by jumping online, hunt our product down and hit that buy now button. So once again, like, share and subscribe to our podcast so we can continue to bring you these episodes from our one and only Aussie muscle guru, three times world champion, Christine Enville.